This is the Luke Thomas Show podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Today on the Luke Thomas Show podcast, I'm going to give you a main event preview for Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. We'll also be joined by Amanda Hebas as she previews her UFC 251 main card bout against Paige Van Zandt. And Curtis Blades comes to the show to discuss his big win over Alexander Volkov and some comments by UFC President Dana White. The Luke Thomas Show airs weekdays at 1 p.m. East Coast time right here on Sirius XM Fight Nation, channel 156. Don't forget about the mailbag, Show at gmail.com. All right, happy Friday to each and every one of you listening. Really appreciate it. Kind of excited. Weekend's almost here. It's the summer. Guess we get to go outside. Remember the fights tomorrow. I think I'm going to get to the weigh-in results here in just a second. Um, I think one of the fights fell through at the last minute, so they have switched up the main card from being five fights to now six fights, which means that in it, so basically two fights were lost, so to, so to speak, to the prelim cards. So now the prelim cards won't start till six. They start at six. They were going to start at five. Now they start at six. 6 p.m. in the east, by the way, of course. Obviously not 6 p.m. in the west. So 3 p.m. Uh, for you donks out there on the west coast. All right. Uh, let's get to these weigh-in results. I believe they're still happening, but most people that you would care about have already weighed in. Uh, okay, so what do we have here? These are the results as follows. Poirier and Hooker both make the weight limit, 156 versus 155. Your main event for tomorrow is official. Mickey Gall, 170. Mike Perry made weight, 171. That is official. So your main and co-main is official. As I speak to you now, we still have not seen Jean Vellante and Maurice Green weigh in which I think is going to be at what? Light heavy? Something like that? Uh, Brandon Allen and Kyle Dockhouse. Dacoste, I, mean, I can never remember how you pronounce his last name. They both weighed in at 185 and a hook. Felipe Linz is 234 to Tanner Bosser's 235. And then Sean Woodson, 149 to Julian Arosa's 149 and a half. You'll recall that was a 150-pound catchweight because Julian Arosa's original opponent fell out and Woodson was filling in on short notice. So that's not a weight. That's not a miss. Both of them made weight. On your prelim card, Luis uh, Pena, 155. Kama Worthy, 154 and a hook. Takashi Sato uh, and Jason Witt, 171. Still, as I speak to you now, have not seen Jin Yu Frey weigh in. Kay Hansen, her opponent, 115 and a half. And then Jordan Griffin, 145. So you're going to have four bouts on the prelim card and then six on the main. Um, we were going to do like an undercard five to watch on this one, but I just don't think it's worth it. Okay, with the time we have remaining, let's get to it now. Let's get to a Poirier versus Hooker main event preview. You heard Dan Hooker on the show yesterday. He believes he might get a title shot if he wins. Well, I, I think that's a little ambitious, but I can't say that it's wrong. Let's see how they match up. Their records, pretty similar. I think Dan Hooker has some kickboxing fights as well. But for MMA, 25-6 uh, for Dustin Poirier with one no contest, 20-8 for Dan Hooker. So a little bit more experience for Dustin Poirier, but not substantially so. Average fight time, 941 for Dustin Poirier, 953 for Dan Hooker. Height, and this is going to be key, 5-9 for Dustin Poirier, 6 feet for Dan Hooker. It's one reason why Dan Hooker loves those uh, step-through knees. 
because he can bring it up to his opponent's chin, usually when there's a substantial height differential. I would not call this one that way, but you saw it, for example, in the Jim Miller fight. Still, something that could play a role. Of course, they're both 155 pounds. Dan Hooker has a 75-inch reach, Dustin Poirier 72. Now, they've got Dustin Poirier listed as Southpaw and Hooker as Switch. I think that's probably fair, but both actually Switch, and Poirier more than he used to. Uh, Hooker about one year younger than uh, Dustin. Okay, strikes landed per minute, 5.51 for Poirier. 4.76 for Hooker. Both of those are very good numbers. Obviously, Poirier's is better. So look for Poirier to have slightly higher volume. Striking accuracy, not too dissimilar. 49% for Dustin, 45% for Dan. That's about right for elite UFC athletes. Strikes absorbed per minute, 3.97 for Dustin, 4.67 for Dan. So Dan is nearly equal. He's slightly, slightly, slightly more strikes landed per minute than those absorbed. But Dustin, who's been in some wars, is over, uh, uh, you know, an integer and a half, nearly two integers with a positive differential. So that tells you something there. He does not get hit as much. He is much better about his defense. Uh, and, then stri- and then striking defense, nearly identical, 56% to 55%. Here's where you also see some differences. Takedown average per 15 minutes, 1.55 for Dustin, 0.43. A lot of those takedown attempts you'll see Dustin do either when things are going poorly or just as a setup. Like, is he really actually wanting the fight to to affirmatively get to the floor? Mm, Not necessarily, but he does threaten them. So at a bare minimum, the longer this fight goes, you're looking at a two or so. You're looking at three every six rounds. So, you know. Just sort of be on the lookout, maybe every other round or so, something like that. He's going to go for a takedown. Uh, his accuracy, 37% to the, which is low, but Hooker's at 28%. So he's even worse. Takedown defense, 61% for Justin, excuse me, for Dustin, 78 for Hooker. So Hooker's got pretty good takedown defense. I will say this in Poirier's defense, that 61%, a little bit misleading. Because he does get taken down, but he kind of gets back up pretty quickly or he mitigates the worst of it pretty quickly. So just keep that in mind. And then here's another difference. Submission average, 1.2 per 15 minutes for Dustin, 0.3 for Hooker. And the two biggest submissions that Dustin tends to go for, Darce chokes and guillotines. And he'll often use guillotines to either jump guard or to stop a takedown. Last five fights for Dustin Poirier, a loss to Nurmagomedov, a win at 155 over Holloway, a win over Eddie Alvarez, a win over Justin Gaethje, and a win over Anthony Pettis. It's a pretty nice stretch. Got to say, pretty nice stretch. For the last five of Hooker, a win over Paul Felder, a win over Al Iaquinta, a win over James Vick, a loss and a bad one at that to Edson Barboza, and then a win over Gilbert Burns. Uh, I think the Felder, Vic, excuse me, the Vic and Burns wins were stoppages. The loss to Barboza was a stoppage. The Felder and Iaquinta fights were decisions. Obviously, Dustin was stopped by Nurmagomedov in a bad one. Decision win over Holloway. I think he stopped Eddie. He stopped Justin, and he stopped uh, Anthony. Okay, so what are we looking for here? What are the contexts where people do well? You know, it was kind of funny. I was going back and watching a bunch of Dustin's old fights. I wanted to see how his boxing 
and his striking has progressed. And there's so many things you can point to. I mean, the, the everything is cleaner. But if you're asking me to pick up on what the difference is, one, the volume is higher. Two, he sticks behind the jab more. Three, there is significantly more stance switching. Four, he doesn't lunge from outside nearly as far. In other words, he can cover distance much better to get in range. And the one way you know that, you can go and look at his boxing. He doesn't fall over nearly as much. If you go back and you watch some of his early fights, the Pablo Garza fight, maybe even Akira Khorasani or Cub Swanson or any of those fights at you know 145 or so, he's constantly tripping and falling. And he still does a little bit of that here because sometimes he'll have a guy hurt and he'll swarm him. But uh, much, much less. His shot selection is better. My God, his timing has just dramatically improved. Wow. He can find ways to set up offense by tricking you and reading you. So that's great. But then the timing is impeccable. He's not the fastest guy out there. But when your timing is as good as his is, it doesn't need to be. We've gone over the case for Poirier and we've gone over the case for Hooker. So here's where I think... If the fight looks like this, it's going to be going Dustin's way. Dustin actually is a very good um, counterfighter. He can lead two, and I think he prefers it, but he can actually counterfight as a southpaw really well. So to me, it doesn't matter whether he's leading or he's counterfighting. I tend to think he will prefer to lead, but just because he's counterfighting doesn't mean he's losing. I want to be clear about that. So I suspect that he will lead. I suspect that he's going to be firing first, although he might be tricking a little bit, or like he might pressure and then counterfight off of pressure because you can do both. So he might do that as well. So let's look to see, um, look to see not only who's throwing first, but then look to see uh, what strikes are being thrown. If this is predominantly a kicking contest. That's going to favor, obviously, Dan Hooker. If Dan is landing uh, ably to the outside calf kick and then circling out and Dustin's having a hard time trapping him, I think that's going to be a key. I think one thing you're going to see from Dustin if he has his way is he's going to have to trap and really narrow the options for Hooker so that they have to exchange in mid-range or what is called boxing range and to get him really backed up against the fence. That's where those takedown attempts might come into play. I don't think he's going to look for a takedown attempt as like, I really want to get on top. Although he might. Certainly, I think that's a bit of an X factor. His ground game is pretty great. But at a bare minimum, what you might see is him locking up, let's say, like a head inside single, and then just running Hooker back into the fence. Because once he's on the fence line, now Hooker is trapped. And that's a place where Dustin likes to unload. In fact, a lot of times what he'll do is he'll have somebody trapped up there, and he'll stand in orthodox and he'll hold orthodox position and then really unload because if I'm standing in orthodox, uh, I'm going to get you to circle into my left, which means is it's actually his real power hand. So he does a lot of tricky stuff like that. So be on the lookout for just finding ways to corner and then press Hooker into the fence. If, on the other hand, Hooker is just moving quite ably and he's not being pressed into the fence, or if he is, he's able to cause separation right away you know he's in good, uh, good shape. Uh, if Hooker is not eating a ton of body shots, he's in good shape. Uh, if Hooker is landing single and double shots and then moving, whether they're kicks or not, he's in good shape. And then the one other X factor here is I tried to go back and look about how many times, and it's hard to know because some of the stuff it wasn't properly measured, 
How many times each guy has fought in the small cage? I went back and looked at some of Dustin's fights in the small cage. He was able to corner people very quickly. I think I think if you're um, Dan Hooker, you're going to have to have a game of stick and move, but you're also going to have to have a game of um, close quarters contact on your terms. Maybe the clinch and then clinch breaking. So be on the lookout for that as well. This week on World of Basketball, four-time EuroLeague champion Kyle Hines joins the show and talks thoughtfully about the racial injustice in America. It's great to see the change. It's something that is much needed. I think because of everything that has kind of going on in 2020 and because of the the coronavirus where a lot of people are kind of sitting at home and are able to kind of pay attention more. And because there's no sports, you know, people are are able to kind of focus their attention on some one thing. To see, you know, Champions League football, you know, where Black Lives Matter, to see protests in in Asia and in Australia, to me, that's kind of been the the most remarkable New episodes of World of Basketball are available every Thursday on the Sirius XM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Joining us now on the, uh, well, actually, not the hotline, it's the magic of Zoom. She is one of the top uh, women's fighters in the world, and she takes on Paige Van Zant. I believe it's a flyweight fight at UFC 251. It is the one and only Amanda Hebos. Hi, Amanda. How are you? Hello. I'm great. <laughs> no, I'm a little big fat because I will fight in another category, like you said, but I'm really happy to talk to you guys. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, you don't worry. You don't look fat, but uh, let me ask you, why are you going up uh, to this weight class? The UFC offered to me that weight class, and I think it's a opportunity to, to try to test myself. So maybe, I don't know, in the future, I can be like uh, Amanda Nunes, double champ. So I want to, to, to test myself. Fair enough. Uh, is it hard to make straw weight for you? No, ah, a little bit because I like to eat. <laughs> so it's a little bit. I start my diet like one month before my fight. And it's a hard diet. And all days uh, until weekends, I do everything right then my water is right here i drink a lot of water so yes it's a little hard but what? My, oh, you got my you, profession you got a dog <laughs> you're listening <laughs> i hear the dog yeah. is the dog nearby oh my goodness what is your dog nearby yes they are crazy you have you have multiple dogs what do you have I have, like, now here I have just two, but I have in my dad's house more two. It's a pitch bull and bulldog. Now I have two shih tzu. I don't know if the same <laughs> name in the United States, but they are, they think they are bad boys. Like, but this shit, like. <laughs> I have, I, I have a, I have a medium sized dog and I have a small dog and the small dog is the worst one in terms of behavior. Why do small dogs all think that they're the biggest dogs? What's wrong with their brains? I, I don't know. I don't know. They are crazy. They, they don't think. <laughs> all right. Let me, uh, let me get a bit of a background for you uh, on this one because I think it's your first time on the show. So you're a black belt in jiu-jitsu and judo. Now, your father, Marcelo Hibas, did you get your black belt in both sports from him or did you have other training involved? 
no, no, I I get my black belt in jiu-jitsu with him and Master uh, Wendell Mendes. And my judo, I get it in Belo Horizonte because I was Brasilia selection, judo. So I get there with so, Floriano Almeida. Yeah. Yeah. So pe- for people who may not know, Brazil actually has very good judo. Um, why didn't you pursue that sport uh, to its or, or did you like why? Why are you an MMA fighter? And, and uh, what happened with judo? Did you see here? And my knee, all my my hurts in my body was from judo. So one time I was good in competition. I was in uh, almost Olympic games, but I hurt too much, and I don't want pace paid so good mm. so i was talking to my dad and my family i don't want to hurt my body anymore and i start to do mma <laughs> it's crazy right but in mma i never hurt myself just one time here but no i have nothing so it and i i start to feeling that little fire in my heart when i start to fight mma I think it's because since I'm a baby, I saw my dad fighting and my friends. So, yes, I, I'm in love with MMA. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. Here's the thing about, for people who may not understand, like how rough of a sport is judo, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's not like jiu-jitsu. Like it's, it's, it's way more physical, hard, hard contact, right? Yes, for sure. Like we training a lot, like three times a day, the same thing. I think it's because of that we hurt so much. Because like in MMA, in MMA I train in the morning Muay Thai, in the afternoon, I don't know, Jiu-Jitsu, at night, condition. So my body changes. In Judo, no, it's the same time in the morning, the afternoon, at the night. So I think because that we hurt so much and... It's a lot of competition. We we do a fight like this weekend, and the next weekend we have two. So it's really tough. At the same time, though, would you say that having a background in judo not only is it helpful because of all the technique that it it, it gives you? I've also noticed that like the people who come from judo in general. When they go to MMA, they're very physical. I mean, they have technique too. Don't get me, don't misunderstand me. But like they, they can use both, both their technique and their physicality. What is it about judo that lets, that lets people who go to MMA do that? I think it's because we train so hard and we can do like the good drills. And that is, I don't know how to explain this, but I think... The drills in judo we can do very good in the MMA, and the fighters are doing this very good. Fair enough. Amanda Hebos joins us here on the Luke Thomas Show. All right, Amanda, you got this fight at uh, two fifty one. Now we live here in the United States. You live in Brazil. Neither country has done the very best job of containing COVID. How has it been training in Brazil uh, during this time? I'm blessed because in my city, I live in a small city, so we don't have not, we have just a little bit of cases and the gyms are open and I start to train until my, because I fight in UFC Brazilian and I had 
uh, one week just the vacation sure. and in this vacation one week just at home it was a quarantine here in my city and the next week everything is open of course with the masks alcohol and every cares so i'm training since that and i'm very blessed for that because i saw a lot of gyms in rio de janeiro in sao paulo belo horizonte are closed and here my city is open so i'm happy for my fight my camp and for my family because the gym are from my family imagine hmm. if they don't work don't have money so it's good for that too are you at all concerned about traveling for this fight a little bit because i saw we need to do a lot of tests and i don't know i'm a little scary for that test in my nose <laughs> <laughs> i just did the blood test and i'm a little scary too about the people who are who are being in the airport but I think I will go with gloves, with mask, glasses, head, everything to put protection in my body. <laughs> well, I have, I think, I, I don't know if this is true, but I know in Las Vegas, what they're doing is they're not going through the nose anymore because so many fighters have uh, broken noses. So they're going in the back of the throat. Did you know that? Uh, really better because imagine... My nose is not, but I saw some photos. I think Platinos, he will fight in, in tonight and tomorrow, and his nose is like this. Imagine how the, the, the nurse will put. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They are smart. All right, so they're giving you a fight with Paige Van Zant. Now, let me tell you from my perspective what this looks like. Tell me if you agree. From my perspective, they've seen you come in. You've had three fights in the UFC. You won all three. Uh, pretty handily uh, at all three, certainly your debut as well. I think that they're giving you this fight because they probably believe pretty strongly in your future. Do you see it that way? I, I, I love I love when I listen to this <laughs> because it's good to know the UFC see me something different because Paige Benzan is really famous and it's good to me fight with uh, a girl like that. And it, it will be a, a tough fight, too, because Paige is crazy. We don't know what she will do. So I will be prepared for everything. She is more from the kicks, from the punches, but her last fight, she won with armbar. So I need to be prepared for everything, I think. And I think it will be a, a fight, you know, when you can't close your eyes because you lost something. I think everything you, every time you have some kicks and punches and take it down and blah, I think it will be good. With the extra weight, are you at all concerned about, like, how are you managing the extra weight, right? Because you have to worry about cardio. You want to worry about your strength. You don't want just extra weight that, is, uh, that holds you down. You want extra weight that helps you do more. So how are you, you going to guarantee that? I want a muscle weight, right? Because <laughs> I think it's like as I lost a lot of pounds. So for me, the 125, I will lose some pounds too. I think I need to be prepared for after the waiting, what I will eat. Uh, because I love eat chocolates and everything. But after my fight, after my waiting, I need to 
eat clean, still eating clean, and adaptation for because I don't want to be like slow, you know. Some person, some fighters, when they up the category, they are a little slow, and I don't want that because it's a good character. Mine, I am a little fast and don't stop, so I don't want to change that. So, so you kind of alluded to it earlier. What would you say is the biggest challenge in fighting Van Zant? It's what you said, right? It's she's unpredictable. It'll be high pace. So cardio and just not knowing what's coming your way. Yes, I think yes. But I'm prepared for that. You know, here in my city, we have a lot of girls training. And some girls are blonde too. And I say, oh, you are my Paige Van Zandt. So you need to put hair like her. You need to kicks like her. You need to go to the ground like crazy like her. So I think I am prepared. I'm training so hard for this fight because I think we need to. I'm. A, I'm. A, I. I want to enjoy the moment, you know. So for me, enjoy. I need to be in my a hundred percent to go that for that fight for that. Island in my best condition, in my best technique, in my best everything. Are are you aware that uh, the time you'll be fighting in Abu Dhabi is six a.m.? I saw it's crazy, <laughs> but I like to sleep. I think when I come there, I will adapt it as right time. I will sleep a lot to wake up at like I think I will wake up like three to warm up my body, warm up my mind. But eh, you know, UFC UFC said that, so I agree. It's my boss. If my boss say Amanda, you need to do that. Okay, it's my boss. So let's go. Amanda, I have to tell you, I've been doing this job for about fifteen years. You might be the happiest MMA fighter I've ever interviewed. Ah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what what makes you so happy? I think it's because I do what I love. And I I discovered that after my 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 hurtness, after a long time I can't fight like that's that time I was with Yuzada. I think in that time I think Oh, I love so much fight. It's what I know how to do. Is what I seen since I'm baby. So when they said to me, yes, now, hey, Mandinha, now you can fight. So I, ah, it's so good, you know, it's so good to do interview. It's so good to fight. So I think it is because of, because of that. Uh, before I let you go here, I have to say, you know, again, I've interviewed a gazillion uh, Brazilian fighters over the years. I don't think I've met one at 20. You're 26 years old, right? 26. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've met one at 26 who has English as good as you. How did your English oh, get so good? You. I, was, I'm being, I was a little worried about this. No, 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 no. It's very, very good. How did you, how did you learn English so, so early? I think it's because I watch a lot of series. <laughs> the Big Bang Theory, Friends. <laughs> so I have <a> practice. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'm what? trying to get better because I need to talk to you guys, not just with Brazilians. So I'm trying, I'm trying. It'll make a big thank difference. You. When Junior Dos Santos learned English, his career here 
went through the roof, you know? So wait, what television series do you like to watch in English? Oh, I, <laughs> you will talk about me. I like MasterChef. <laughs> about the food, Friends, The Big Bang Theory. Uh, let me see what more. The Middle. I, I, love, I love comedy series. All right. All right. I don't know if I like, I like MasterChef. I don't know if I like the other ones. I might have to recommend some to you that are a little bit better. Which one, which one do you like? Uh, um, have you ever seen, I don't know, Breaking Bad? You ever seen that one? Oh, yes, yes. I'm okay. That I am watching. Yes. All good. right. You know what? I'll give you one more. Now I, all, I bring this up. My wife is from a foreign country and uh, she had to learn English here as well. So mm -hmm. We knew her English was good when she could understand everything in this show. So let me give you one recommendation. Ready? Here we go. Okay. The Wire. The Wire the is Wire. a show. The Wire is a show from HBO about street crime and organized crime, basically in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. When you can watch that show and get all the references, you yeah. will be the queen of America. Trust me. Yeah, oh my god! I will, I will find this show. The right. Uh, well, Amanda, it is impossible not to uh, to smile when we talk. I'm really looking forward to your fight. You got an infectious personality. Travel safely and really can't wait to see what happens at UFC 251. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm really happy to be here to talk to you. And after you said my English is good, I'll be more happy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how much more happy you could get, but thank you so much, Amanda. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Talking to the biggest names in pro wrestling. WWE Hall of Famer Edge. I had to start with Randy. I knew that coming back, having this cherry of a story dropped in his lap, that Randy would step up. He just needed something to be able to sink his teeth into. But then the next night after the rumble, when I heard people screaming, I was like, oh my God, this feels like old school NWA Dusty Rhodes. Like this is what I was hoping for. I was like, man, this is going to be so much fun. Busted open Monday through Saturday, nine to noon Eastern. Okay, well, our next guest won in last Saturday's main event when he defended, excuse me, when he defeated Alexander Volkov via unanimous decision. It is uh, the Razor himself, Mr. Curtis Blades. Hi, Curtis. How are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you, man? I'm okay, Curtis. Well, let's get a bit of a health update. How is your lip? Uh, how is uh, anything else? How are you feeling physically? Um... I'm pretty much uh, like 80% right now. I, I, I do have a toe that I think I bruised on one of the inside kicks I threw. But besides the toe and, uh, and my lip, my lip's almost healed. The stitches are starting to dissolve and the, and the, the swelling's gone down a lot. So, yeah, I'm pretty much almost back to 100%. Uh, have you gone back and watched the fight? Yeah, I watched uh Two days ago, with my, my striking coach, Vinny Lopez, we watched it. We broke it down together. All right, so tell me what you saw. I saw uh, round one. Uh, I think I just exerted a little too much energy looking to go for the, um, the throws and whatnot. And then when I got him on the ground, his um, length, his his long legs and his long arms and his long torso, the dimensions were kind of awkward. And we uh, originally going into the, the fight, I didn't think getting half guard would be an issue for me because it never really is. But he was able to 
really to lock me into that, that uh, guard of his, and I wasn't able to get the half guard. That's why I did the majority of my grounding pound in that position, and I got a little frustrated um, with his wrist wrist control. He was doing a really good job of that wrist control, and it was preventing me from getting my elbows going. And I, I just I think his um, game plan was to was weather the storm because he. He he had already he he had already prepared to be on the ground and he he prepared to lock me down and everything and he did a great job of that and I played into his uh, game plan because by the by the last two rounds I won't lie I mean it, it was pretty obvious I was pretty smoked uh, my legs were heavy arms were heavy and um, the last two rounds were were just me gritting and grinding them out and I knew I knew I was up on the score twelve cards. I knew all I had to do was not get uh TKO'd or, or KO'd and I would get my hand raised. So that was my that was my mindset going into the last the last round for sure. I knew just don't get don't get knocked out and you'll win. So the thing that caught my attention was uh, when I was getting ready to watch your fight, like I'm doing research for this job, I went back and I watched his fight with Fabricio Verdum. Even Verdum had trouble passing his guard. What is it about his long legs that makes it so hard to break open and then control? I think he's able to, like, the angle, like, uh, the leverage. Normally I'm able to, to get my elbow when I'm in that guard, I'm able to squeeze my elbow in and to to uh, make space and to get the half guard. His his legs were so long; he was able to keep them so high up into my armpits. I wasn't able to get and and the wrist control uh, combined combined together. I wasn't able to get my elbow into that that space and and allow my room to pass the half guard. And he's he's surprisingly strong. He's a lot a lot stronger than I I uh, originally I imagined him being. I'll give him that also. He's he's got a a, a wildly strength strength to him. The interesting part about that, though, was there were moments in those first three rounds where, yeah, you were getting to take down whatever you wanted for the most part. The thing that I kind of noticed was on the feet, your speed gave him tons of problems. Like, did you not feel confident enough to keep striking with him? Because from the outside, you know, from from my seat on my couch, it looked like you were doing great. Yeah, that's one thing my coach did point out to me that I didn't realize. Like, he agreed also, and that, uh, especially in uh, the second round, I was like tagging him up. But I don't know. It just it didn't feel like I was I was just tagging the way the way it looked. Um, after being able to watch it, I agree. Um, I sh- I think it would have helped me to to not to focus on the wrestling as much in that round and to establish my striking to get him a lot more like um, afraid of my hands. Because I, 
originally the game plan was was the high low high low like I did, I did against Junior, but he was so long that he didn't respect my high low. He just like walked into me, and I think also because the cage was a lot smaller. Again, I thought that would be advantage for me, but he was able to use the cage and like use that to to pop up his 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 butt when I would go in or a double legs, and that was also something I wasn't prepared for. For the way he used the cage to help him defend my uh, my takedowns. So, in terms of how you feel after your first five round fight. What would you say was the biggest, most positive lesson you took away? Uh, that I know that I can dig deep. I can I can be in that uh, dark place. And I can still compete. <laughs> so that was the first time I've ever been like that high. That's, that's never happened before. <laughs> it won't happen again. But to have it happen to be able to to overcome it, I think that's that's only a positive, and uh, I'm going to need to draw on that experience later on in my career. Curtis Blades joins us here on the Luke Thomas Show. All right, Curtis, let's talk about after the fight. You know, I know you reacted to some of it, uh, but let's talk about some of Dana White's comments. First things first, he had sort of noted that he thought if, you know, if I were Curtis, I would want to stay active. Uh, what do you make of that? Because, I mean, I understand the the point of, look, I've come so far, I don't want to sacrifice what I've earned, but there's so much uncertainty at the top of that division. I just don't even know how long it's going to be before your turn comes around, even though I would agree you're after Francis for a title shot. Well, yeah, um, I'm open, you know, depending on what, what happens with these who who retires? Who wins? And obviously, like you said, Engano is he, he's next. Like everyone agrees on that. Even I agree on that. But yeah, um, I, I would be open to, to taking another one. But I'm like, who? I don't know who right now. So somebody else has to like force their way through the division and make themselves, you know. A target yeah. of opportunity is what you're saying. Like maybe if if uh, uh, Derek Lewis gets past Alexi Olman, which I don't think he will, but if he does, maybe him. He's the name, you know. Yeah, it's not it's not an obvious choice there. What about some of the other comments about? Uh, you know, he had said, listen, if you go and say, I'm going to ragdoll my opponent. And I know what you meant. You meant like, you know, I, I think he misinterpreted what you meant by ragdoll, but this is what Dana said, uh, you know, talking about ragdolling on Twitter and then complaining about pay. It made you look bad. Stupid was his word. I wonder what, what your response to that is. You know, he doesn't like me for two reasons. A, oh, for three reasons. A, I speak my mind. He, he doesn't like that. B, my style, what I bring to the octagon. It's very grappling, grappling heavy. And uh, C, because, yeah, I do believe that uh, I'm getting to with, and I'll speak on that. So he's just using this to try and, like, make me 
feel bad, I guess, and like, so I won't speak out again, but it's not going to work because, like, wrong is wrong. And when I, when I have a platform, I'm able to speak on it. I want to speak on it. Like, he's wrong for hand the whole roster of what, 18 percent of everything? He wrong. And I'm still going to speak on it. So. Yeah, what do you make as a, like? What do you think is a solution to the problem? We we debated on this show endlessly. I wonder what you think as a fighter. Like, how do we? We can all agree you're underpaid, and certainly we can. What is the process by which we fix that? Well, one thing might be nice. Um, but why is like he knows we're not getting paid enough, and then he takes away our an option to get, like, big money out of sponsors because we got the Reebok deal. Let's just do away with the Reebok deal. Bring back banners. Bring back uh, fighters that yeah, I don't want to represent the sponsors on their, on their gear. Bring back that because that's a lot of guys. And I got into the U.S. See, like a year after the Reebok deal. I never got to reap the benefits. But I heard some guys were getting, like, a hundred grand. From, from outside sponsors. That money dried up when Reebok, when Reebok deal hit. So give us the option to get get outside uh, sponsors to pay us big money again. Give us that. That's a start. Yeah, but even then, that would still be like you wouldn't be getting any television money. Um, no, you know. Yeah, that's a start. Yeah, there's there's a lot. Like, I know, I know this is the... the Taboo word, and we're never supposed to speak of it. But a union, every other major sports league has a union. So I think that's probably the only way for us to really get what we want. But I don't know how it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do, what do you make of all these big names like John Jones and Masvidal sitting out? Connor sitting out for slightly different reasons, but you know, obviously, even he's on ice right now. I think it's dope. Uh, I, I I feel like I know what they're doing. They, I think they all got together. I was like, yo, if we all don't, if we all sit out for like a year. What's what's anyone going to do when? All of his big dogs on on the, the sidelines, and he doesn't have the guys that really move the needle, like he always likes to say. I think that makes a statement. I think I think it might it might get some some positive change out of out of him in, in the past. But I guess it also depends on how long they're willing to to play the game. Curtis, let's talk about some of the guys at the top of this division. I would love to get your impressions of what happens next. Who do you like in the third DC and Stipe fight? Um, I like DC. I think, I think he 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 learned from the last outing that uh, Stipe is a dangerous guy, even going into the later rounds. Even even after all the the uh, damage he took, I think this time he uses his his grappling skills. I think he he puts them on the on the mat and and tries to eat up a whole round 
in terms of wearing out. And uh, I think that's the better, that's the better strategy. Obviously, I'm always gonna go uh, pro pro wrestling game first, but I think I think they have a purpose. If you can gas out, if you can gas out uh, Steve's arms and legs, then you won't be as, as big of a threat in the later rounds. And why not use your wrestling? You DC, he he has one of the best takedowns in the in the, the UFC. And what do you make of Francis and this sort of new version? We don't. I mean, here's the thing. It's like in the last four fights, he's looked great, but they've all been really, really short fights. I don't know exactly what to make of his supposed improvement. It could be real. Maybe it's not. What is your hunch? I, this isn't me being, uh, being an A-hole or, or having beef. I just, I don't think he has, bro, because why would he? What what he's always done has almost always worked, you know. So I think in order for him to actually change, he'd have to have like another loss, a loss like he did to Stipe, where where the heavy hit or the heavy KO didn't happen in the first two minutes, and now you got to fight, fight. I don't think he's had that, so. I don't think what's what's his reasoning for for changing up what he's always done. Like it's not broken. I think it's broken. I don't think it's a smart way to have you to go into every like fight with your one skill. A lot of people think I want to kill, but I don't. I just have a dominant skill that I use. I do have uh, looking as as well as I don't think. And Gano, I don't think he has any grappling. I don't think uh, he hasn't had to learn any grappling. So I think that's always going to be a hole, a hole of his. And until I watch him on his back, uh, it's hard for me to change my mind about that. Uh, by the way, if you had to fight him one more time, what would you do differently? Uh, definitely from the last fight one yes. amazing yeah um better distance better range not not closing the gaps over early into the uh first round I make him do the dance for me use my use my uh, uh footwork make him make him work and uh then I use my wrestling I I know the the Beating him is to get him get him on the ground and to tire him out. That's that's the key. Fair enough. Well, Curtis, uh, you know, I, I thought the win on uh, Saturday was, for the most part, pretty dominant and certainly a learning experience for you. It does keep you at the top or pretty near the top of that division, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, you get back out there whenever that may be. Uh, thank you for making some time for us, and congratulations on your win. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Catch the Luke Thomas Show live and in its entirety weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. On Twitter, follow at L Thomas News and the channel at MMA on Sirius XM.